right, it's complicated getting up here. So, Father, we just thank you today as we are about to honor our Bible school students. We just spend a little time in your word. Um, I felt really that he was saying, well, we're honoring them for studying the word. Let's talk about his words. So, briefly, won't be long, we're going to talk about the word of God. Um, the title I felt to give this was Jesus Gave Us Words. And that comes from John 17, 8, and we'll read it. And Jesus is praying to his Father. This is just on the few, an hour or two before he's arrested, maybe less than that, arrested and eventually next day tortured and crucified. And he's talking, he's praying to his father for these men that he's trained up. And one of the things he says in John 17, 8, For I have given to them the words you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. He says, Father, the first step the first stage of the plan of redemption has been covered. I've trained these men to take over the ministry once I've gone. I've trained them and they've received my words. They've achieved what I expected. They're ready. In the beginning of the chapter, he said, the hour has come. And you know, when you're about to die, as Jesus was, and he knew exactly what was ahead of him because it was planned with him and the Father, these moments, you know, are not, you don't say things that are not significant. You say the things that are uppermost in your mind and closest to your heart, you know, just before you're going. And Jesus is praying and talking to the Father about these men who he is going to leave in charge. And he prays, I mean, it's all in the chapter, but br just briefly, he's saying, Father, take care of them, look after them. You know, he's got so close to them. Protect them from the evil one. Protect them from Satan, because he'll surely try to stop them. Purify them. He says, I've done a bit, I've done a lot, but there's more to go. They need the baptism, they need to be born again. They weren't born again at this point, and they need the baptism. Purify them, but then he emphasizes, let them love one another. That's the heart's cry of the Father. It was the one commandment of the New Testament as opposed to the 600 of the old. Love one another and you won't break any laws. He said, let them be unified. Why? Because it will be a witness to the world that they're going out in. The world is not a loving place. The natural world and the world system is not a loving place. But when these men come out and they show the love that I had for them, people will say, what is this? And they will get saved. So he's very emphatic about that. But the exciting thing about this chapter, the next two verses on, from a few verses on, John 17, verse 20, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's saying, 
I'm not just praying for these guys. I'm praying for every single Christian, every single person who believes me, who gives their lives to me from this point on to the end of the church age. And you know what's exciting about that? That is you and me. Jesus in that garden in his agonizing moment prayed not only for his men but he had you and I, the whole of Dublin, the whole of Ireland, the whole of the world that would believe in him in his heart. You know there's an old Christian song, it's a kind of country and western kind of thing, it was when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He, we were on his mind at this point. Jesus has a personal relationship with all of us. He's supernatural. So Jesus was praying for us. So in this chapter, which we're going to just have a look at a few elements, anything he's saying about them, he's saying about you and me, take it on board today. This is Jesus' plan for all of us. And he's praying all these things about unity and love and protection and the care of the Father. Then in verse 23, he's praying for the world. The world which sometimes is very hostile to God. He loves them. You know, we have this thing, we make these Christian statements, Jesus died for our redemption or our salvation or our justification. That's true. But basically, Jesus died for people. Jesus loves people. He died for mums and dads and brothers and sisters. He died for people and he's saying, let them believe. And he said, well, through these men, they will believe and let them make it known. And in verse 23, if you're feeling down today, if you're hurt today, if there's anything going on that's upset you, this verse, he said, let them know that God loves them as much as you love me. Do you know God loves you as much as he loves Jesus? How can anybody who's getting that, you matter that much, if God loves you as much as Jesus and he'll fix it, he'll sort it, he'll deal with it because he loves you, he's a good father. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, he may not like what we're doing, but he loves us absolutely to the same extent as Jesus Christ. So really what he's praying about in this this eve, this eve before his crucifixion. He's praying for the destiny or the call of these men. Therefore, he's praying for your destiny and your call. We all have a destiny in God. You know, they, and I think it's so interesting that he chose men that were not particularly smart. They weren't highly educated. They were just ordinary men. In fact, last week I thought it was really good. Pastor Lee said, they were a bit of a motley crew. And I looked that up in the dictionary. And it says an assorted group, a bit disorganized, a mixed bag. <laughs> and I thought, isn't that encouraging? We may say, oh God, I am not worthy. What nonsense. He used them. And we're going to look at a minute. What was their task? It was major. But we have tasks for God. We have a destiny. And he also, in John 15, 3, this is all the run-up to this night. John 13 onwards is all Jesus just before he goes. He says to the disciples, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. You know, the word cleans us up. It renews our mind, gets rid of our huffs and our puffs and our fears and all these things. That's why Bible school is so important. But he said, They've cleaned, I've cleaned up their act. Because we know they didn't do very well at the beginning. But he says, now they're ready. 
He said, they've taken my words and they've received them. I've got them to the place they need to be. I've cleaned them up. And you know why? In John 8, he says, if you abide in my word, that's really study it, take it seriously and obey it. He said, you are my disciples indeed. You know, we need to take that on board. We all want to be his disciples. It's not somebody in sandals. It's a follower of Jesus that takes him seriously. He said, if you abide in my word, I, I said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The word of God will set you free of just about every, well, everything. The, the, and that's what's happened to them. They are changed men. Still a way to go. Anyway, deliberately ordinary, because I think God is saying, look, anybody. God is the God of whosoever will. He's a whatsoever. He's a whosoever yields. Whosoever obeys. Whoever, you know, anyone who is faithful to me. And you know, when you think of these men, the task ahead of them was amazing. I mean, basically, God got Jesus to come to the earth. Jesus carried out the plan of, you know, with the cross and so on. They're handing the Father and the Son, Almighty God and his Lord Jesus, the Son, have handed the continuation of this task to these guys, to the motley crew. How more encouraged can we be like that? You know, and they, you know, when you think about it, they did it. They made it. They, you know, we can say to them, good job and thank you. You know, even in the book of Acts, in Acts 4.13, the elders and the scribes were watching them preaching. They were out doing the works of Jesus. They were out, um, you know, getting people saved. And this is written of the elders. Now, this wasn't in admiration. They were surprised that they were against them because they saw, here's another Christ coming to annoy us. He said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They said, look, look at these guys. They're amazing. They're like that Jesus fella. And then they say, and they realized they had been with Jesus. The anointing of Jesus had come upon them. And that is for us. You know, when we're close to him, when we serve him, he will anoint us for the task. And that just shows they got off to a good start. As I said, we are here today because of them. If it hadn't been for them, they had to start because they heard Jesus. Nobody else did. They were the starters. They heard Jesus one-to-one. People much later would have just been a bunch of hearsay. They were critical, and they did it. And you know, they ended up dying for him. They loved him. They did a good job. They were all martyred except John, and they did it willingly. That just shows you the love they had for Jesus. But you know, how did he get them to do successfully what he'd asked them to do and we go back to it he said I have given them words the words you gave me he's saying that to us you know as a scripture here which I think is really quite remarkable John 12 49 it says I have not spoken this is Jesus talking to the disciples again I have not spoken on my authority but the father who sent who gave sent me gave me command what I should say and what I should speak. I speak just as the Father told me, so I speak. When Jesus won the earth, he came as a man and he only spoke the words his Father gave him. How did that happen? It said several times, Jesus prayed 
all night. Jesus prayed a long while before day. He got into prayer, got directions from his father, do this, do that, you'll meet this person, this is what I want you to do. He was totally submitted, telling us we must be too. We do what God tells us to do, be obedient to the father. And then when he went out, he did his ministry. You know, he, he, he took his father's words and he did them. And then he said to these men, I'm giving you the same words. Saying to you and I, I'm giving you the same words. He didn't say, I'm going to give you healing. I'm going to give you miracles. I'm going to give you anointing. He said, I'll give you words. Because the words are the thing that will get you the miracles. The words are the thing that will get you the healing. You need to do it by speaking the word of God. It's the way he worked. It's interesting that Jesus functioned that way and expects us to function exactly the same way. And in John 17, 20, he prayed exactly the same way as him. And you know, as I said, we have a destiny in God. May not be as vast as theirs, but you know, in Psalm 139, this is you. All of us have a specific call. It says in verse 16, in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned or planned for me, when as yet there were none of them, meaning before ever a day had passed. In heaven, there is a book. This is not analogy or symbolic. This is a fact. In heaven, there is a book for every person on this planet. Only the people who get saved and only the people who become followers and really study his word will really follow it. But you have a book written in heaven of all the things the Father wants you to do. All we need to do is tune in and like Jesus and say, what do I do now? What do I do here? And just get into, into that word. He's given us the same word. And it's a good plan. We all know Jeremiah 29, 11, I presume. He says, I alone know the plans I have for you. Plans for peace and not disaster. You know, peace is not just peace. It's shalom. It's soundness, wholeness, completeness, health, prosperity. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That's the plan for you. That's the plan for you and I. We'll have, the devil will try and stop us, but you know, God helps us kick him out of the way. So, and the interesting thing is, if you look at the Gospels of Jesus, you notice something. He spoke all the time. I know it said he laid hands sometimes, and he did put clay on somebody's eyes, but most of the time, Jesus spoke words because he got them from the Father, and the Father said, speak them, and he's saying the same thing to us. Just read it. I was fascinated by that piece of information. I went and looked it up. He met a centurion, and the centurion said, I've got a servant who's in a dreadful state. And Jesus said, I'll come. And he says, no, no. The centurion said, no, it's okay. I understand authority. Just speak. And Jesus, now this is what happened. Jesus said, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. What was happening? That man said, I believe you can heal my son. He, wouldn't, he didn't need him to come. Jesus said, I believe the same as you. I'm agreeing with you. I'm speaking a word in line with you. And there was power in that word because that servant got healed at that very moment. That is the power that's in the word of God. He met a nobleman and the nobleman wanted him to come to his house. And he said, no. 
He said, go your way, because this man, it said, this man believed. We have to believe. We have to have faith. He said to the nobleman, go your way. Your son lives. When Jesus said, your son lives, and the father was in agreement, that child lived. He was about to die. There was life. There was a life in that word that that son got raised from a horrible sickness. In Luke 17, there were 14, there was a bunch of lepers at the distance, 10 of them, and they said, have mercy. What did he do? He didn't run up to them. He did touch another leper. He didn't go up and say, oh guys, here we are. Lay my hands on you. I'm so sorry. That's a rotten illness. No, he shouted, go show yourself to the priest. What was he saying? He was speaking words of healing. They couldn't show themselves to the priest if they weren't healed. They would have been kicked out and probably stoned because they were lepers. That was implying healing, and they did. It said they were healed as they went. There was power in that word that he spoke. See why Jesus gives us words? And if we connect with them, it works. Lazarus is even more interesting. Lazarus was dead. Sister sent a message to say, he's desperately ill, come quick, come quick. And obviously Jesus, the father, he was in tune with the father. He didn't do anything that the father didn't tell him to do. He stayed two more days and waited till he died. That was what the father said. The father probably said, look, there's a bigger deal here. We're going to get a bigger miracle out of this. So Jesus waited. And what did he do? He turned up. Two days later, and what did he say? Come forth. That got Lazarus to come alive. Lazarus was dead and stinking. And those words had the power in them to raise Lazarus from the dead. So his words have incredible power. And you know, repeatedly, if you look, where he found faith, he said, according to your faith, I agree with you, I add my word to your faith, and it happened several times. Frequently he said, according to your faith, or your faith has made you whole. Those words got rid of the sickness of those people. And that really is what he was saying to his disciples. Do you remember the first um, miracle they did? They just said, get up, money, silver and gold, we don't have any, rise up. This did the same as Jesus. It's, it's, you know, it's such a wonderful thought. You know, in Romans 10, 9 and 10. This is a scripture that you must have said in some shape or form to be here if you're saved. And there's power in it. We read it, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, that in that prayer, you're believing in the Lordship of Jesus that Jesus is Lord, you are, conf- you are making a, a confession, you're saying, I make you my Lord, Jesus, and I believe what you did in Calvary, and therefore you get saved. Everybody here has had a miracle in the word of God. That's how it happened. You spoke what the Bible said. You spoke what Jesus said, well, through, you know, Paul said it, but it was from heaven. That's how you, excuse me, that's how you got saved. So, you know, we can see this incredible power in the word of God. And it actually says in Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And that's exactly what happened. You spoke, you agreed with the gospel. We have to mix it with faith because there's power in the word. It's, container, it's a container of power. 
Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. In Timothy 2 Timothy 2.16, it says, all spirit, scripture, the meaning words, are by inspiration of God. God breathed his life into them. We need to mix it with faith and then it works. You know, it's very interesting in Hebrews 4, we see the people that God has got out of Egypt and they're going through the wilderness and he said now I'm giving you a promised land it's going to be wonderful milk and honey no more Egyptians beating you up you will have complete freedom it's amazing but he took them through the wilderness which should have taken 11 them 40 years and most of them died why what does the scripture say they did not mix the, the word that he told them with faith it's like when you're make, making a cake in a packet, just add water. It's just add faith, okay? So when we believe the word of God, we must just believe it and we must receive it. And just to finish, I hope I'm on time, Joanna, because I can't read the clock with these glasses. <laughs> anyway, uh, if we think of the power in the word of God and how it works, it's in the parable of the sower, it says the word is a seed. The sower sows the word and it's sowing into various kinds of hearts, okay? And if we think of the word as a seed, if you think of a natural seed, if you think maybe of a sunflower seed, because they're kind of remarkable flowers, if you buy a packet of sunflower seeds, outside the packet you see this beautiful, amazing yellow flower which can grow to 12 was it 20 feet I read anyway when you open the packet what is it it's a whole lot of little black little things that you wouldn't think anything of but you know what's in that seed the life of a sunflower inside that seed there is everything that there is to create that sunflower what do you do you have to plant it when you plant it in the ground eventually the husk rots off, breaks open, and the life that's in that seed interacts with the chemicals of the soil, that's like your heart and faith, and it starts to grow. Now, when we're believing for something, we mightn't see anything. Well, you don't see a sunflower, you don't plant it one day and see it the next. We have to wait sometimes, but one day there'll be a little shoot, there'll, something will happen, and you'll see the word it's working because there's power in it. There's life in it. And you know, in Hebrews 10, 23, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And that's hope meaning confident expectation. Let us hold on to the hope um, of our hope without wavering. No doubt. I wonder if it's working. When you say, I wonder if it's working, and when you doubt and you say, oh, I don't know, what are you doing? You're digging up the seed. What happens if you dig up a seed? It's no good. It probably not. It destroys it. So let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, because he who promised is faithful. We sang that this morning. He who promised is faithful. And very interesting, the word confession means saying it and saying it means to say the same thing as. Jesus said the same thing as his father. The disciples said the same thing as Jesus. We, from the disciples, we've learned, we say the same thing as Jesus. When we agree with the word of God, the power and add our faith, remember they have to add faith, that thing will come to pass. 
And the last scripture, which I remember when I saw this, I was so excited. You know, and just before I think of that, you know when Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary, the word came that you are going to birth the Messiah. That was a word from God. She said, let it be unto me according to your word. She put her faith, she mixed her faith. And at that minute, that word did what it was saying. The word does what it's saying in that word. The healing comes, the prosperity comes, the deliverance comes. But this baby, this Messiah came from, he from heaven, a word from heaven. And she said, I agree with it. I give you my faith. And at that interest, instant, the embryo of the Messiah was brought, was, came into her womb. It's like when we get saved, when we say that Romans 10, the minute we do it, that we get born again. We go from darkness to light. We go from death to life. You know, it, it's a remarkable word. But when the angel, this scripture is so interesting. When Mary hears this word from the angel, she's a little bit disturbed, and wouldn't you be? <laughs> and the angel said to her, you know, you're going to have the son of the most high. You're going to have this holy thing within you. And she's surprised. And he comforts her. And he says, with God, nothing will be impossible. If you look at that up in the Amplified Bible and various more detailed translations. It says this. I think this is amazing. No word of God will fail to contain the power to fulfill itself. Or another translation, the word of God contains in it to make what is saying come to pass. When you speak the word of God and repeatedly say it and get it into your heart, adding your faith, that thing will produce what it's saying. So can you see why Jesus gave them words. The word, was the, the word was the way to get all they needed for ministry. They had a huge ministry to do. God had created an earth, it had fallen, and Jesus came as a redeemer to redeem the whole situation. Take back the authority from the devil, get man reconnected to God. It was a major, major plan, and now they're handing it to this bunch to tell people, go and tell people, get them saved, tell them the message, tell them I love them, tell them this hope, tell them the salvation. So you can see why giving words is so, so important. And that's why we say to the Bible school students, well done, you did the right thing. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's really important. So the last thing, the last scripture, I lied, it wasn't the last, this is one more. But John does that with about 10 scriptures. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians, and he says, give me five minutes, but I'm finished. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, Paul is talking to the people in Thessalonica, and they have got a hold of the word. He's so excited. We get excited when the Bible school students get it. And it says, the word of God, for it is the truth, the word for is it is in truth the word of God which works effectively in you who believe. So if you're believing for something, whether it's healing or a job or prosperity or a baby or a husband and all these things that we believe or deliverance, you may be suffering. Get a word. God will give you a word and you take it and you speak it. You 
brainwash yourself with it. Get it into your heart. And if you say, I can't, I don't feel faith. Don't need to feel faith. You choose to believe. And then the, the, the reality will come. So, you know, just to encourage you, God is such a good God. And it's, it's all much simpler than we think. Take a word. Just take a word in your heart and speak it. Confess. Say the same thing as the Father. And you will fulfill your destiny in Jesus. Amen.